Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Uh, back with another episode oh. after what, like 40 minutes of technical difficulties. <laughs> we got this going. That's right. We are upgraded. We are upgraded. Take two. Dustin Cap, take two. What's I up, dude? Here. Now that just, you just broke up a little bit. Oh, man. Are we good? What up, man? How we doing, fellas? We're doing we're doing great. I can hear you. To roll. All right. All right. Good. We are back. So tell us about your uh like your shiny mic. That's uh thank you. Classic. What was this five K you ran this morning? You raising Ooh. some money for something? So it was uh do you remember what disability it was for? It was for a charity a disability for something. It was through Goodwill, um, but it was a hippie dash, five K. And uh it was between that one and another one. This one started an hour and a half later. So we went with this one that started at 10 a.m. instead of the one that started at 8. So, but it was a lot of fun, man. It was out at this gorgeous park in um, Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, it was fun, man. We got we broke our tie-dye out. We threw our flak jackets on. I forgot my running shoes, so I walked. I actually blended even better because I had my Crocs on. 
So cross ah. and tie-dye and my IOTV, man. <laughs> and we stepped it out. I got a couple of hot spots, but it was fun, man. It was such a fun environment. Gave out a lot of high fives, a lot of hugs, man. It was just enjoying the vibe. It was fun. Dude, if it's heavy 5K, you might want to just done a barefoot, bro. I I am a tenderfoot, man. Like ever since I was a kid, um, walking around, like my sister stepped on a nail or something and like severely messed her foot up. So we were never even walking around the house. We weren't allowed to walk around barefoot. Mom was always really? like, put shoes on. Yeah. And I thought if I get stuck, whatever, like going to like the, the riverbed or something like that, barefoot, man, I get stuck. One of those guys, it's like, hang on, hang on. I got <laughs> I'm one of those guys, man. Uh, you don't wear the water mocks to the beach, do you? I not, dude. I rock the Crocs everywhere. I got a pair oh, of Crocs man. for every occasion. Got them back on right now. Really? I, Is there I uh, such a thing with the uh, sport version of it? What do you do? You flip that, flip that thing back. Yep, you go into four wheel drive. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Four by. <laughs> I laugh because when Crocs <laughs> came out, they were like what? And like it worked, or th- man. I did. I, I. Fifteen bucks, right? Like they were cheap, and now they're like fucking forty bucks or fifty bucks. There, yeah, yeah. Oh. I I got my first pair. I remember like making fun of them too. I was in Fort Riley, I think, back then. This was in like 07, 08 when I got my first pair, and we were either still drunk or hungover or something, being idiots, walking around the mall, you know. And uh, went into Sears or Dillard's or something like that. Like, oh, let's all get Crocs. I got my green ones. I got the green ones. I still have those. Um, but like 15, they've been through three deployments, 15 years, like worn a hole in them, and they're still comfortable, man. I put those things on the first time. It was like, like putting your feet into two clouds. And you're like, oh, my gosh. I can keep these on my feet. Like I'm never taking them up. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. So uh, I don't have any. So Paul, oh, you got some? Nope. No Crocs here. So Caps group. I know teacher boys for Christmas now. <laughs> <laughs> tell me oh, more. Man. Tell me more about, tell me more about this developing Caps group. The consul- the consulting man. So TCG, the Caps Group Consulting, LLC. Um, you checked out the website a little bit, I think. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. the concept the concept is, I think today we're going to focus more on the situational awareness stuff. Uh, but it's all, it reminds me of back when one of my jobs in my break and service, I worked for a, a six-station radio group called Cumulus. I don't know what part of the world you're in. You may have heard of Cumulus Media Group or whatever. We had six radio stations to sell for. So you'd make an appointment with your company, go talk to you guys, and we'd do a client's needed analysis. So it'd basically be like, hey, who do you guys want coming through your door? Right? Because I got a radio station for it. Then we'll figure out time, this and that. We basically do the same thing with – it's a lot of continuing education for corporate and company employees, right? So we go and say, well, what do you want your employees to get from this? What do they need? Or or like – and if they don't – well, I don't know. Well, what do you – what do you do? What, is, what does the job entail? You know, uh, like with social workers, I've done that with the social workers already, and they often go to you know lower income, you know, poverty stricken, shady neighborhoods. So it's like boom, perfect. I put together the outline to go over with them, and we specify the curriculum for each class, each company type of deal. It's not just that we do the same class every time. It's well, what do you need? Right? What do you do? Which of these are going to help you the most? What? How can you? We maximize your efficiency from our training type of deal. That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. 
so like what tell me give me some ideas of like what the what training so, that you've had that you are then going to take and um basically take all of that training that you've had over all these years you know what hundreds of thousands of million of dollars of training and then teach the people right. in the community to then improve whatever situation they're in so i think to keep it easy i'll just kind of start at the beginning how i fell into the program really um i had just finished combatives level one and then we were going to do next week follow on just go right into combatives level two and we showed up monday you know ready to go and there weren't enough people to run combatives level two class so i was like shit man i don't want to go back to work i wanted to do the school and at the time as a fort bidding and i was just trying to get all the schools i could to kind of add to your resume i was doing everything i was finding stuff and doing it and one of my buddies was like what do you guys want to go to asap I was like, I don't know what it is, but yes, <laughs> I will go if I can get in that school. Went and did it. It was a five-day course. In the first 10 minutes I was in there and listening to these guys, I was hooked. I was like, where has this stuff been? Um, because nothing in the deal is like mind-blowing. It, we're, we're putting the science behind the how and the why of what you already do naturally. Most of the stuff you're going to hear, and you're like, I do that all the time. Like, yeah, but this is why. And then you get in tune with that. It's like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. So I fell in love with it. So ASAT was Advanced Situational Awareness Training. That had, it was originally written and developed for the Marine Corps. It was called the Combat Hunter Program, developed by this group of dudes. There's a book out there. It's called Left of Bang. You guys heard of that book? No. Okay. So that's, it's a great book to get the gist of it. It teaches uh, the 6573. Uh, so anyway, the Marine Corps got tired of paying for it, basically Combat Hunter. They repackaged it, sold it to the Army under ASAT. It's 6573, the six domains, five combat multipliers, seven step terrorist planning cycle, and the combat rules of three, right? And I know that's a ton. It doesn't, doesn't make sense, but like the domains, you go into each one of those. And then the combat multipliers, like Martin, I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of this stuff. You've done a lot of this. and um, So it just all flows in. And it was just... Like my mind was blown the whole time and it just, it just sparked my mind, always thinking and always doing and, and tying things in with it. Cause I've been an instructor and teaching a lot anyway, and I've always been good on stage and that type of stuff. And I've just, over the years, I've always studied this stuff. I went uh, to the, they dropped the T from it. Then it was just ASA. So I refer to it as ASA commonly. I went to the ASA advanced course and that's mostly just kind of deep diving. You're doing more case studies and a lot more teachbacks because it's preparing you to basically teach the class. And I did that and then I became an instructor. And I mean, I just, I literally like lived and breathed this stuff all the time. I was so fascinated all the time, just looking for ways, seeing things, this and that. How does this tie into it? How does that? And then you hear about this and putting things to use. And, you know, that's just what I live because it's so fascinating. I was fortunate enough to be teaching that stuff. And I loved the, the guys that I work with at the time. It was a company called Orbis. They're still around. Um, and that really upped my game a lot too, man, because it's majority of it was taught by contractors from Orbis. And each time there was a class, they put together a team of six dudes. So if like, if Paul, if you were the team lead this week, right? Uh, Martin, myself, Hazel and Chuck, six of us, we would hash out who's teaching what. And then we rehearse and you teach it and you practice. You do these things like you would think would be common, but just get neglected a lot because oh, I don't want to do that, blah, blah, blah. But these are like contractors making money. And these are all like 
former Navy dudes, former DEA cops, former that type of background stuff. And when I got over there, man, I don't mean to sound bad or anything. It's just the truth. I got over there and not a lot of the army dudes, the green suitors that we call them, were really in, into teaching the stuff. They would just kind of teach what they had to and then they would let Orbis do the rest. I got over there and I jumped in, man. I was like, I'm, I'm in these guys' faces like, hey, you know, how about this? How about this? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, who the hell is this guy? This army dude, you know? Uh, I even remember one of them, dude, uh, dude's name was Lucky. I think he was a, a retired cop or DA or something like that. But he's like, man, you're throwing off my OODA loop, you know, and uh, like an, I'm an anomaly because we're used to these army dudes just staying out of the way and you're up here getting in it. This is awesome. You know, and they just took me right in because I loved how they operated. First off, you know, like if Paul's on stage teaching, he's teaching this block, right? Then if I'm in the shoot, that means that like if this is the stage and stuff back here, right, then kind of the middle lane, how we always had it set up, I'm in the back facing you and and I'm spotting you basically. This isn't because, oh, but Martin doesn't know. But no, if you don't know the material, you're not going to get up there and speak. Like you got to test out basically. But it's just in case if you brain fart or something, then you can have a seamless transition to where if I freeze and I kind of look at you like, fuck, Martin, help. You know what I mean? I don't say that, but you know that in my eyes because we rehearsed and you can seamlessly step in to continue right where it is, right? There's that dude in the shoot. And then if, if Martin's messing around, then Paul is tracking too. And every one of the other instructors is in the back with their laptops open and following every sentence of the show. And this isn't to make sure this is for the quality of the product that we're teaching, you know, and we, and we'd be kind of talking in the back. If whatever trucks up there teaching this one, you know, we would be talking amongst ourselves in the back. Like, Hey, I'm, I would tell like, Hey, I'm on the current slide. Where are you at? Then Paul would be like, okay, I'll go one slide ahead. Martin would be like, all right, I got two slides ahead. So we know, I know where we're at. Paul knows what's next. Martin knows what's two slides next. Hazel's in the shoot while Chuck's on stage. You know what I mean? And it's just so seamless. And it's always about making each other better, delivering the best product to the crowd. It's just all around betterment. And I just loved that. Um, and the dudes were fascinating, man. They took me right in because I was showing that I wanted to learn. Um, and so it was fantastic. Doing that for a little bit. And then right before Christmas leave that year, I'm, I'm like literally like going out and leave and my platoon sergeant was like, oh, hey, you know, have a good Christmas caps. By the way, you came down on recruiting orders. And that was just terrible. I went from the most ultimate job satisfaction I'd ever had with this stuff to find out I'm going to go do the thing that I least want to do in the world, you know, um, but made it work. And I took those things there. And then I, I always look for things that I can incorporate into the ASA stuff. Um, you guys heard of the the five love languages? Yeah. You know, oh yeah. yeah. I've integrated. Yeah, that's you know. Well, Paul think, needs to read it yet, but no, 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 no. I read it. I finished Paul it. Paul needs to read it yet, but oh, you did. Uh huh. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Took you a Qual year. Quality time's probably a big one for you. I'm guessing. Uh, I'm I'm physical touch first. Quality words time of affirmation ones, second. Quality time third. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like, I'm definitely oh. physical touch. Yeah. Martin is just an anomaly. You're just a beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, physical touch, believe it or not, is my number yeah. one. Yeah. Quality time rolls next. But it adds into it um, because, again, you have to be able to tune into somebody's frequency. You have to know the language you're speaking. That's for basic communication. Like your friends, how we are now, people are hanging out with your family. 
but also like criminals. In, in Joe Navarro's book, we've talked about what everybody is saying. And I apologize. I meant to, I had a stack of books that I meant to bring resources, but I'm out of my element in a different place. But I think we've talked about that last time, what everybody is saying. Yeah, when you when you get home, you email me the email me the name of all of them, and I'll put them on. I'll link them. Okay, Um, but but uh, I forget if it's in there or another story because just so many people with different stories and things. But you know about the interrogator had to. I think it was it was one of the Orbis guys because he told me he's like, man, it made me sick to my stomach, but I knew what I had to do. Excuse me. It was um, basically a child molester right that they were interviewing and you have to tune into their frequency right to get them to open up to you because if you come in if if martin and i go in both playing bad cop like listen here you piece of garbage blah blah blah, he's gonna clam up you're not gonna get anything you're you're pushing him farther away you know we may go in to set up paul who's gonna come in um and he's the one, he's got to chase us out of the room or whatever. We put on a little show, but then Paul sits down, maybe brings him something, you know, cause now you're connected that way. You've given him something and just kind of say like, just chilling for a minute, letting everything settle. And then just being kind of like, I get it, man. Like, you know, so-and-so is like, you see that, you know, 10 year old earlier, I get it, dude. You know, and you have to be able to, I'm not going to continue with that cause it's disgusting, but you get my point. Right. Yeah. And now all of a sudden the dude's like, <laughs> The dude's like, I know, right? Like, because you get it. You've tuned into his frequency now. Whatever his love language is, you are now operating on the same channel. And he's like, dude, I know, man. You should check out, you know, like Springfield High School during the lunch break. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, right, right? And now you're you're on the same wavelength as this guy. And he's going to open up to you. As disgusting as that is, you have to to be able to do that. Like when we were in uh, one of the combat multipliers, I apologize if I'm jumping around too much. Stop me at any time, whatever. One of the combat multipliers is uh, tactical cunning, right? And that is basically like put yourself in the shoes and the eyes of the enemy. If this were my area, how and where would I kill me? What resources do I have to kill me here? What vantage points? What sniper spots? What natural lines of drift? How am I going to get out of here? Infill, exfill, this and that. Like, you know, and, and when you're in these places, when nobody's ever thought of that before, and they first hear you talking that way. They're like, dude, that's so morose, man. That's so messed up to even think that way. It's like, well, that's very naive of you to keep yourself in a bubble and you're going to you're gonna be a victim. And just because I can think yeah. the, this way doesn't mean I am. I, we have to think that way to combat these bad guys, you know? Yep. So. Well, that makes perfect sense, man. And, I'll, I'll you know, one of the. there for any question. Okay. I'm I, So there's a nasty lag from yeah, my from my audio to you hearing it, but I don't think Martin has a lag. So um, I'm going to try to let Martin do a lot of the come in questioning. Um, But one thing that that Uh you hit on, you got to step up today, buddy. One thing that you hit on that really, uh, that really made sense was the, was the practicing, right? When you're coming in, cause in a lot of corporate training, it's do, do this, do this, do this, do that. But it's not, Let's go through and practice that. Let's work on that. Let's work on overcoming objectives, right? Like if you're teaching salespeople, like what are going to be the Mm -hmm. 10 biggest objectives that you're going to have and how do we overcome them? Now let's practice that. Mm -hmm. Let's practice 50 times of each objection and how you're going to overcome that objection so that it's muscle memory like we always talk about. Mm -hmm. 
and you're more used to it. So you're absolutely right. And we did a ton of that in recruiting. As much as I hated recruiting, that added a great deal of experience to these types of things because it was sales. And the biggest one was overcoming obstacles in the schoolhouse. And we'd even run like a bunch of scenarios. Everybody get index cards, you know, like, what's your scenario? Like, oh, I don't want to cut my hair. That's why I won't join. It's things like that. But it's, it's learning how to get around those. And it's very simple once you practice, you know, and we would always be like, <laughs> one of my instructors, he'd always say, like, I understand how I feel. You know, many felt the same way, but they've learned that once it was, <laughs> once they've gone and tried it, they're still alive. But getting the obstacles out of the way, it's really funny when you, when you clear somebody's smoke screen that they're floating up and you, you get around that little obstacle and you pull that obstacle away from them that they're holding on to like, oh, this is why I'm not joining. If he asked me, like, okay, well, let's take that aside. What if I told you, you didn't have to cut your hair. Then, then would you join? What am I going to have to? That's not the question. What if you did not have to cut your hair? I told you right now I could ship you off and you don't have to cut your hair. Would you go? No. Well, why not? Because I don't my, – my mom's this and that. Like, okay, so there's the real reasoning. Now we're getting to the actual issues that we need to deal with, not the smoke screens or the basic little obstacles that you're putting out there that people stop at those, the salesmen that are not listening and in tune. Huge thing with all of this is communication also um, and being in tune with – People you're interacting with, environments you're in, um, doing stand-up comedy, you have to be in tune with your audience. You can't be up there and just hit play and blah, 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 blah. When we first get up there, there's a lot of pro – you're profiling the audience with simple jokes or looks that you do or like looking down and like – because I love to talk shit to the audience and interact with them. And you're seeing what they're going to bite on. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with yeah. sales and the same thing like that. You have <laughs> – Man, so many people don't want to listen these days. They, if anything, at best, they wait to speak. They're not listening to you. How can I, if we're discussing something, if I'm just waiting to speak, that means I'm not listening to you. It means I don't care about what you're saying. That means we're not having a conversation. You speak, then I speak. You speak, then I speak. There's no use in that. I have to wait until y'all are done speaking so I get all the information so I know how to reply to you. You just like you guys are listening to me. So you know things like, hey, I'll, I'll, let's go more on this, let's go more on that. If you're just waiting for me to stop talking, be like, yeah, and I think blah, blah, blah. That's what most people do these days. You know, we see it all yeah. the time. So it's, it's, it's so many basic things that you think um, don't make a difference. But that's kind of like the combat rules of three or like numerous indicators. You know, the algorithm we have the, is bad. Baseline plus anomalies equals decision. Once you get... Two to three, one, not a big deal, but you've, you're aware of it. One anomaly, right? One little flag. The analogy that I picture in my head for this, for anomalies and indicators and things like that, is imagine a nice, big, gorgeous, green yard out front, right? It's fresh cut grass. Like you get that bang and you got the best grass on the block. You know what I mean? And it, you ever talking to somebody and like, I'm huge on contradictions. Like when somebody contradicts herself and I mean, bigger ones too, like, like if, you know, Martin's all on a tangent telling us how he's an animal rights activist and how he stands for animals and he can't stand how people are doing this stuff. Cool, got it, whatever. But the next time we're hanging out, he's showing us pictures of this safari that he went on and killing, you know, these elephants and these rhinos and stuff. Like, that's the type of big contradiction I'm talking about. Um, it's huge when people contradict themselves for me because I just kind of like, 
okay. So we go back to the green yard, right? That's boom. You know those little um, wire flags with the plastic on it that engineers will do whatever when they do, like they run your pipelines. Mark the pipes, yeah. They, they survey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And they do yard surveys. Those little wire flags with the plastic thing on it. That's how I picture like anomalies and indicators and contradictions and stuff, right? Like not a huge Red deal. Flags, huh? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not, one by themselves, not a huge deal, but I remember, you know, Martin doing this and okay, cool, whatever. And I'm not going to say anything new because, again, that by itself is not a big deal. But then it's like I noticed over a span of a few months, few weeks that we start working together now and we're communicating a lot more. And by the end of the first quarter, man, my green yard is just filled with flags from your horse shit. You know what I mean? All those indicators yeah. and things and anomalies. But we have to be paying attention. We have to be tuned in. And it's not that I'm going to listen to everything you say and write that shit down. No, dude. But just tune in to to life around you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Listen listen to people when they talk to you. And just – I don't know, man. Like there's a lot – this shit's easy. People just don't want to do it. How do you think right. you teach that in a corporate environment? It takes work. I think uh, one thing that surprises me is uh... – that delayed. I'm sorry, I got both you guys. Yeah, that stupid time. delay. Oh. I said, "How do you think you teach that in a corporate environment?" Oh, yeah, policy. <laughs> so, actually, it would almost be just the opposite. That's a great question. I think you have to, and this isn't saying that everyone in corporate America has a stick up their ass, but I think first you have to remove the stick and get. The, I'm being dead serious, man. Um, you <laughs> I'm have in corporate to, America. Come on, yeah. You know what I mean though, right? You're sitting around the boardroom and everybody's like, you think that you have to be this certain way, you know, but it's like, all right, we're going to do an exercise that like, it has nothing to do with sales at first because we're going to get fucking comfortable with each other, right? Like putting all that shit down. We're going to do whatever. We're going to have some fucking fun for a minute. This and that. You got to get everybody comfortable and out of that mode of what they think that they have to be because then they're not going to hear stuff because now you got a hundred, you got like your capacity, right? That you're running at your brain capacity. Think about like a bank account or percentage or whatever. Uh, it, it's only got a hundred bucks in it. And if you're spending 20 bucks trying to maintain the way that you're supposed to the mannerisms and the speech that you're supposed to, and the, this and the da da da. Now at best, you can only operate 80% with the stuff that you've actually got to do. Cause you've wasted 20% on how you're supposed to act. And now with, you know what I'm saying? Like all of that stuff, you've only got so much capacity, man. So it's it's getting everybody to to chill out and relax and take a deep breath. And then it's like, all right, you know, now we're going to get into what we're here for. So to yeah. me, that might I, I don't know, that that may sound dumb, but that would be the first thing like right now if I had to come teach a corporate class, it's like I'm not gonna sit up here and go off a PowerPoint yet. We're gonna I don't know, I don't care what we do. We're gonna stand the fuck up. You know what I mean? And I, there's yeah. exercises and things I like to do too, once we would get into it with handshakes and stuff. There's some great ones. There's some great Ted talk links. I'll send you two on that stuff, but it's about getting everybody open and, and tuning them all into where we're at. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes sense. I think it goes back to, I mean, I live in the corporate world and you know, the meetings basically, it's just, everybody's trying to run over each other. Everybody's mm-hmm. waiting to speak. Um, by the time you're two hours in, you haven't resolved a whole lot. So, and everybody's begging for action plan. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's different. And so with corporate, yeah, it is way different. Like uh, talking about cumulus again, that's how that was wearing a suit and tie, you know, selling radio advertising, like meant something, but it would also be Paul. Can you hear me? 
Yep. Okay. Um, to to follow, that would be my first thing that I would do. Right, get everyone comfortable, everyone chill, and then we're gonna learn. It's it's got to be a comfortable learning environment. And then I think to finish answering your question, I would have to say, well, what what company is this? What do you want them? What are they gonna be doing? Is this to be more efficient? Are they are they outside sales? Is it inside sales? What do you want them to get better at? Again, kind of going back to what are your needs? And and I can tell you, you know what I mean? Like if you want to be any more specific with the question to make something up, I could answer better for you. Maybe really? uh well oh, I got a question going back. I mean you're Eric, you're a comedian, right? So I'm not very good. Uh, I always thought the comedians <laughs> scripted everything. So uh, so in that situation, you know, using using those uh, principles, how in the heck do you uh I mean, do you have like a bunch of different scripts you go off then and then you read the uh, audience and you're so, just pulling? Um, I can only speak for myself and the and the comics that I've worked with. Um, it's a good question. Um, when you say script, to me, I see like – because I've done a lot of acting and things like that too. Excuse me. A script is – to me is something that's memorized and then spit back verbatim, right? Yeah. With with if you mean it in that sense, not many. I don't know of any comedians that do that because it would it would look very unnatural. Um, but you have to remember too, these guys that like I'm I'm hosting the comedy show and I I love to get up there on stage, and I'm good at it. Um, I have good stage presence and charisma and all that stuff. But I'm not a professional comedian yet. I may, but these guys are professionals, guys and girls, whatever. Make sure we don't get in trouble. Um, but they're, so I say that like they're, they're professionals. They are on stage numerous times a night. And so kind of like what I was talking about with teaching the ASA class is like, Hey, you're going to go and rehearse this first before I let you teach in front of anybody. And it's kind of the same way you, that you have to come up the same way. Like I couldn't just go and get a gig right now for 30 minutes, a feature spot at a bar. They'd be like, well, who are you? Oh, I'm Dustin. I've been hosting a show. Okay, cool. We go through a booking agency get them to pick you up. They're going to verify that you're good enough. Like we're going through that process right now with me. Like they have to basically vet you, you know, see your footage, have, have you vouched for basically. And then they say, okay, you can go on the road as a feature, but you get, you get your bits honed really good. And you've got different ways that you can go with them. Cause it's kind of like, um, like a five paragraph order, Martin, you know what I'm talking like situation, mission, yeah. excuse and admin logistics, command and control. Um, Paul, have you, are you familiar with that at all? No. Like a five paragraph, five paragraph order is what we use. Um, anytime we have like an, an operation or a mission or anything like that, that's going to get five paragraphs of basically like laying out everything you need to know. Right. Um, way more than you need to know really. Um, and so I gave the analogy this way, like say that I got five jokes, right? Five main ones. And then I'm kind of probing the audience, seeing what they're going to bite at. And I've been watching already too. Like if I'm not the first one up, I'm watching these other comedians. Like what are they saying? How's that going off? You know what I mean? I'm already getting my feel from all the other stuff and intermingling with them and da da da. I'm doing all that profiling there. I'm gaining, you know, information on my environment. And then, so let's say I've got my fade, my, my top five jokes, just like the SMEAC, you know, and boom, I throw a situation out there, that joke. 
And it does good. So now I go kind of like the sub point in paragraph one. That one does even better. So now like, dude, I'm going now. They're eating this one up, right? So we go through. Now I've got because I know all of these little subcategories of that joke that they're digging. You know, so now I've like rabbit hold all these things because they were they were digging it. And that's all under paragraph one, under joke one. Now I go to I would transition to joke two and they're just like not buying it. Right. That joke. So it's like we go real quick to joke three, you know, and then they're buying some in joke three. So then there's some subcategories in there, but you don't milk it. By that time, you're kind of to the middle of your set. So you're kind of getting ready for that money shot. You know what I mean? You hit a few in joke four because you know that joke five is that's like your that's what you want your best. You're going to end with your best. You know what I mean? Your money shot. And um, so there's different ways and different audiences, man, and experience. You get those. And, and so to say a script, no, because that would look weird if you saw somebody up there on yeah. stage. Cause you gotta be flexible, man. You gotta, you gotta be in tune and you gotta go with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the first time I heard a tactical process, uh, applied to, uh, <laughs> yeah. a comedian. to a comedian, but so it worked, right? Sense. Yeah. Good. Glad that made sense. I'm pretty good at analogy, but sometimes people are like, what that, what like, that <laughs> made sense to me, you idiot. <laughs> but, uh, let's see. Uh, what, uh, yeah. I know I'm talking a lot. Am I talking too fast? No, no, no. You're good. Uh, I got to wait for Paul's uh, delay. No, yeah. yeah. So I think okay. I think you're good, and I think you hit the point right on the head with the teaching listening to a corporate environment. Is like, it, I guess it it depends on it depends on what they need it for. But I mean, everybody basically just needs to slow down and listen to a conversation more and realize that a conversation yeah. is a give and a take and a conversation. If, if, if you are, the funniest thing is when you, when you hear somebody and you hear somebody take away and they're like, Oh, that I had a great conversation with so-and-so. And if you ask them like, well, what did you learn about them? Most of the time, those people are going to say like, Oh, Oh, I don't know. They just kept asking questions about me and I kept talking about me, right? Like I had a great conversation. Well, that's because that person was an amazing conversationalist. And by being an amazing conversationalist, they were sitting there and they were asking you and probing you and opening you up and having you say things about yourself. And that is what most people look at as a good conversation. But it's it's the funniest thing because most of the time there's one of those and then there's somebody who's who's, who's great at talking, right? Yep. And people love to talk about themselves. I had a great conversation with Paul. Yeah, what are you talking about? Oh, well, he decides, like you were saying, he asked a question about me. Oh, and then they don't realize that, like, idiot, you're telling me you were talking about yourself. You know, um, shit, I had something to say before that. Oh, so to elaborate, too, another great thing with that with corporate or whatever, if, if you're selling or just knowing how, like, kind of getting into kinesics, nonverbal communication. You need to be aware of how not only you're projecting yourself, but reading. You know, we, I've, I've talked about like being in tune with your audience, but you also need to be aware of what you are presenting, how you are presenting yourself. It's in another uh, great video I'll send you guys, and I'm just going to really um, paraphrase it here. But they did a um, survey with three different groups of people, um, <clears throat> and they had the same dude come out and give basically this the same spiel. Um but what he changed up was how he talked to people, right? And the first one, it started like almost like, you know, Martin, like the knife hand. Remember the old knife hand? Yeah. And he talked he talked at people. And I'm not going to try to do it justice right now. I, I used to do it on, 
on when I was teaching this stuff because I'll send you the TED Talk video, man. It's money. And it, you're going to show these corporate people exactly what they're doing. And then, no, I'm not. Motherfucker, we're going to rewind the tape. And yeah, you were. You were talking at me. You're telling me these things. And people don't want that. Why would I buy something from you when you're pointing at me like that? Do, like the old knife hand, like, hey, dipshit, come here. No. <laughs> but so it, you see it, a lot of politicians too. The History Channel, they do some great documentaries on body language. Uh, so it's huge in politics, right? But how we're talking to each other, you know, like that's this, you know, like, yeah. uh, and, and when you do that, like my eyebrows naturally went up, like your, your face softens and like my head went to the side. It wasn't on purpose, but with that, like one of our sensitive areas is right here. But we talk about those already. Yeah. You do that naturally, right? Like your stuff's going to follow with what you do. But then if I just go to the pain muscle right there, put that down, voice drops, slow down, like fuck you looking at you know what i mean like those types of things go and i didn't notice it for a long time i used to do that i think this was around the fort riley time period too i was a team leader so i was probably angry at the world anyway the only stupid idiot joes but uh i just would do that and people would always ask me like sergeant caps why are you so mad I'm like what are you talking about well you look pissed i'm fine what what do you want <laughs> but i had put up those defenses i had just resting bitch face before resting bitch face was a thing <laughs> And then I thought about it and because I just – I was just so worn out with the things that I had to deal with. I had, you know, like being in charge of adult children and have to deal with their problems. You just get fed up and it's like, man, if I don't have to talk, then I don't want to. You know, it's not that I'm mad. It's just I'm just – I'm at my capacity right now. So you would do that to keep people from wanting to talk to you. Uh, and then I realized that and I'm like, oh, hmm, what do you know? Uh, those types of things. And now you can do it on purpose and this and that, but there's any way to finish the story on that survey deal after the dude would give him the same spiel like that. And it became less aggressive. And then, Hey, and then he was asking them things and it's so cool. Ask him to move. And then they would question on each group. They're like, Hey, would you, would you buy from this guy? How did you feel about him? Throw his adjectives on the way he made you feel, you know, the first one going from like F that guy, dude, I don't want to, I wouldn't buy shit from him. You know, I wouldn't, buy a lifeboat if I was stuck in the ocean. I drowned first before I bought some from him. But then the last guy that that was different and asked us things and said, we are going to do this. It's us in this room. You know, it's not me and you, but it's us and we are going to do this and let's do these things and blah, blah, blah. Now they've bought into him and you, they'd ask the same things. It's like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd buy from him all day. I already ordered two. I don't even know what he was selling. But I mean, in fact, I'm going to get a third one. I don't know what the fuck. Martin, Martin, do you remember what he's selling? I don't know. You know what? Give me four. Because they bought yeah. it on that dude <laughs> simply from the way that he was talking to them. Yeah. Period. You know? So that would be a big thing if they're in sales. It's like, okay, you know, I'm going to show you, like, show them all these things first, but doing things like that. And then we're going to turn the mirror to face you. You know, most people are insecure with that. Again, that's why we got to. Pull that stick out before we can make any progress because we have to be able to be silly and be goofy and laugh at each other without people getting butt hurt. People can't do that, man. Like in a learning environment, check your fucking ego at the door. If you're not, if you're going to come over here and get all, get all uppity and butt hurt, then leave my class, bro. We ain't got time for it. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I don't. Uh, I think that you're, you're dead on. Um, what do you think as far as the um, how is this? How can we make this stuff applicable to large market? 
right? Like not just business sales, not just, you know, not just uh, social workers, but like everybody. What are, what are some things here that we can teach that basically like everybody would be able to use, whether it's, you know, soccer mom, Diane, or, you know, Jim, Billy, or, or whatever, like um, how can we improve their communication and, and their, their people reading in their lives? Well, what's something simple they can start with? Good questions. Um, and how they get better at it is by practicing. I mean, in general, but, um, Martin, Martin, say your question again. You had a really oh, good, how's, starting. uh, I mean, what's something simple they can, they can start with. Okay. That's a great question. And this is a fun one. Uh, and especially cause I'm already teaching my kids. I got two boys, they're eight and 10. I'm already teaching them this stuff, but I'm not sitting down and tell writing lessons. It's in conversations, you know, and then it's just like in sales anyway, especially with kids, you tell them, tell them again and tell them what you just told them. And, you know, um, but a fun one, and this is true, we call them school circles. So this kind of goes back to kinesics and body language. And we've used it anywhere from literal schoolyard to profiling, you know, Taliban groups uh, in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's the same, same concept, right? People are the same. Typically, typically, all this stuff is generally, right? Nothing's in stone because it's we're fucking humans and we're weird. But generally, where somebody's attention is focused, that's where their feet are pointing, right? And you can basically sum up the hierarchy of a school circle or a group of people sitting on the stoop, you know, out front. Or anytime there's a group of people that are sitting together, you can typically look at them and then through watching even a little bit, you can establish who the alpha male is, whoever the, the chief is, the senior whatever, who's in charge, and then who's the second in command, who the enforcers are, you know, we call them chai boys, like who who runs and gets the tea, you know, runs down to 7-Eleven and grabs the Slurpees or whatever. You can establish typically the hierarchy of the group by simply watching, looking where their feet are at, seeing how they interact with each other. Who are the people facing? Who do they, who do they, they look like they need approval from to do something? Those types of things. Um, so we had a slide we'd use that was a group um, of, I forget what, I don't know, a group of bad guys, right? Somewhere in, in Iraq. Um, looking at that, we'd kind of do the same thing. Be like, okay, who do we think's in charge? And when we're, when we're analyzing something in class, looking at it, that's how we're going to be like, what do we think? And then it's like, okay, tell me why. It's not tell me why in a questioning matter because this stuff, the, one of the points is to be able to articulate using artifacts and evidence of what is most likely most dangerous articulate means speak with your words. I'm not talking that you guys, but just again, so you kind of soak that in. That's what we want to teach. Okay, who do we think is in charge? Oh, that guy is. Okay, tell me why. Using artifacts and evidence. Maybe he's the one holding the AK, right? And these other cats are looking to him for approval, right? And these other blah, blah. Okay, so now we're articulating the why, why we think that, right? And we've got now lots of numerous indicators and things. Okay, now we've got evidence, supporting why you think he is and most likely is. So I told you about that group, right? What is just about every every Christmas we get Christmas cards. Every family that's got like three generations in one one Christmas card, right? Who is typically front and center in the big old leather bound, nice mahogany chairs? It's grandma, Dad. grandpa, oh. the, the, old, the oldest, oh, right? The oldest too. The great to the little runts on the ground, they might be the great great grandkids, but it's it's the oldest couple alive, right? Like grandma and grandpa. 
typically. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yep. Okay. And then who's next to them? The oldest kids. Like the old – and this is mostly, right? Um, and we do this without even thinking. And picture grandma and grandpa sitting in the chair, right? Or you're, say it's your mom and dad and you're the oldest brother. Where are you going to make sure you're standing? I'm going to be right next to that fucking chair. And I'm probably going to have my hand either on the chair or on my dad's shoulder. That's me subconsciously saying, soon as he dies, that chair is mine. I'm next in line for this throne. That's that's what we're doing. We just wow. don't know it. You know what I mean? Would you say this yeah. is almost tribal? And then the next true. is going to say that three of us are brothers. Yeah. Martin's the oldest. So he's going to be next to dad claiming his spot. Right. And then I'm the next one. (laughs) I'm the middle. So I'm going to be next to Martin in case he gets taken out. You know, like Paul, I'm shoving Paul aside because he's the youngest brother. Like, stay over there, bastard. And then, you know, Paul's stuck on the end. So then it's dad, Martin with his hand on it saying, yeah, this is mine. And then me and then Paul and then our kids and then those kids. Right. It's the same in how many Navy, how many platoon photos you got or company photos, Paul? Uh, and how many times are you clearly going to see the platoon sergeant and uh, platoon commander or platoon leader company, the CEOs and the first sergeants and shit? And they have guidons. We make sure the guidon is front and center. And we have this other stuff, the symbology of it, uh, symbolism, excuse me. And we're doing the same thing as terrorist groups do with their flags. We're doing the same thing as like humans do the same shit. That's what we start day one in class. One of the first things we say is human beings are the same all over the planet. That's from a 30,000 foot view, but human beings are the same. We spend too much time looking for our differences to pick those apart than any time at all looking for our similarities. We spend time looking for differences to, so we can fucking fight about it. Oh, you, you go to church, you worship your God in a different place. You must be bad. Oh, you do this. Your skin color is different, so you're different than me. Oh, you speak a different language. Who gives a shit? We're all on this planet. We all got to breathe air. We all got to drink water. We all got to eat food. After we eat that food, doesn't matter if you sit down on a on a porcelain chair with your smartphone for an hour and take a shit or you're squatting over a hole. A turd's coming out your butt, right? We yeah. all – most of us look to something that's higher than us. Most uh, – we got family problems. You got work problems. You got all this stuff. It doesn't matter where, man. The tribe living in, in the Amazon that we haven't met yet, they've still got a tribal hierarchy. They've still got the people in charge. They still have husbands that cheat. They still have kids that are little shits. They still got to get up and do things. They still got to breathe. They still got to drink. They still got to eat. Humans are no different. Once you realize that and you get over all that shit, one, it makes life easier. Two, fuck, it makes life way easier. I, I didn't mean to get up on a soapbox there, but um, – <laughs> No, I think uh-huh. you're 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 100% right. Yeah. Um another thing that you hit on right there is I think we all have the what's the best way to say it? We all have the hardware um and the instincts to recognize this stuff. We can look at the groups and we can and we can see that. It's the being aware of what we're seeing and what we're feeling and what we're thinking. Like we we see it and we can understand it, but we're not necessarily aware that we see it and understand it. It's kind of like reading body language. Like reading body language is is a is a hundred percent natural thing. You don't have to be trained to do it. But what you do need to be trained to do is to be able to realize what you're reading and then manage a situation from what you're reading. 
because we talk about that gut feeling or the hair on the back of my neck standing up or just that sixth sense. No, your brain saw something through your eyeballs that caused the chemical reaction in your body. You're, you, you were just too stupid right now to realize it. Oh, it's just my sixth sense. How, how did you know? Oh, I don't know. I just knew something was coming. No, no. Your brain saw it through your eyeballs and it's trying to warn you. Denial is the biggest file folder we have as humans. Like you said, we got the capacity, yeah. man. We got a, We got external hard drives. It's terabytes of empty space that we don't use. Right. Oh my God. And I totally just forgot what I was saying there. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, denial. Denial. Thank you. Because yeah. um, it's, it's, oh no, it couldn't, couldn't happen to me or, I, you know, I'm not going to be statistic. And that's why we focus on most likely and most dangerous. Um, the COAs, ML, M MD, you know what I mean? Most likely course of action, most dangerous course of action. And the most dangerous is up to your imagination, man. Like most likely right now for me, it's going to be a nice rest of the day. We're going to go to downtown Charleston. We're going to go check out the USS Yorktown, blah, blah, blah. Worst case, while we're in downtown, there could be a huge terrorist attack and we all get blown up. And you got, it's a complex attack and America's taken over. Oh, that's so, how do you think like that? Because it could fucking happen. It's not likely. That's why we do most likely. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my day. Most dangerous is the Twin Towers get bombed. Oh, that couldn't happen. You know what I mean? Right. So that's, that's why we look at most, what's the most likely, what's the most dangerous. And again, getting people out of their thinking that way is in, oh, well, that could never happen. Okay, well. That's that's you're limiting what can happen. You can't we can't even fathom up like the most dangerous. You know what I mean? Uh, so getting over denial and many times heuristics is one of the domains. And that's kind of having just enough information um, to draw a reasonable conclusion. Uh, so an example I would use when we were at Fort Benning uh, and I usually be home before my wife at the time. She was a school teacher. So I typically knew with the I heard the garage door going up most likely my wife, right? I had, that's heuristics, kind of, I knew just enough, boom, I look at the, yep, it's that time, probably her. And then I would expect next to hear this or that, and the kids squawk and the door open, some little pitter-patter of the feet, you know what I mean? And most dangerous, uh, I don't know if it's true or not, I've never, I've never tested it out, but it makes a lot of sense. And it was on an episode of Criminal Minds, where a dude was like, bad guy was like, you know, in most suburban houses, there's only like five different garage door openers. So your if you've got one, chances are that controller is going to open up somebody else's. And that's what he, you guys, does that sound familiar? Oh, you ever heard that? That's super you old school. Talking about, right? Now they yeah, have like I've rolling it, codes. I can't. I can't think of that way. Yeah. Roll, yeah. Um, but that type of thing, um, yeah. at the time we had the old school push button ones. But most dangerous is it could have been somebody looking for a house that their opener would open because they were going to come in and do whatever, rob the place, cause harm, this or that. How many people yeah. would have ever even thought that? That that's a possibility. Like, how do you think of shit like that? Because I, 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 why would you limit yourself? You know, like, and you don't know what you don't know. And then you, like, like I said, none of this shit is like rocket science. It's all simple stuff that we just look right over or we yeah. don't use, you know, and do I, am I sitting there thinking like, Oh, I hope that's not a killer coming in. No, but I mean, every time that I, w I still do this, every time I close my garage door, 
I started doing it at that same house. And then the house that I'm at now with my um, Caps Gym and Caps Forge and all that shit in there. Every time I'm closing the garage door, what do most people do? You hit the button, close the door to the house. Maybe lock the door to that going from the garage to the house, right? But we usually leave that open because we don't want to take the half second it takes to unlock the door. To have to go there. Nobody's ever going to break in. Well, they don't until they do. But I always watch the garage door come all the way down and close. I, I just do that seriously, and it's because yeah, the same thing. Yeah, most yeah. dangerous is uh, there's two dudes, three dudes, whatever, a dozen dudes escape prison or the community jail, and they're on the run, and they come skittering under there right before. You know, if I, <laughs> that's the most dangerous. Yeah. Most likely, the reason I would watch in binning, what I was typically watching for was like critters, you know, raccoon or something like that would come come wandering in there um, if I wouldn't watch it, and then my wife would have to deal with that in the mornings, then I'd have to get up and deal with it. So most likely is if anything, it'd probably just be a little critter, but most dangerous is I don't, I, it takes me what? 20 seconds, takes us 20 seconds to stand there and watch the door close. Yeah. And you get in the habit of that. And now it's just an extra step. It's not paranoia. And people say, so I should be hypervigilant. No, because you're going to burn out. You can't do that. It's just like scope. eye, right? You can't stay in the scope too long, but yeah. just pay the fuck attention to things. Do the yeah. small things like that. Watch the garage door close all the way. Boom. No critters have gotten in. Nothing's gotten out. Whatever. I know exactly what's in here when I leave, you know, and then I close the door, lock the deadbolt and these simple things, you get used to them. And it's just, again, more of those things that add up. Right. And now you're in the habit of that. It's it's it, you have fun with it. Like to me, the shit's fun because like how else can we use that? Like what else? You know, this and that. And watching things watch that because we say people watch all the time people love to people watch yeah you know it's basically so we can laugh at people it's for our own amusement we're doing that right yeah but then do that more and then i remember it was the my first week in class when i fell into asat class and uh, you know we were just sparks all of us talking about it this and that we went to lunch and we were at subway they're bending eating lunch and this was fascinating it's one of the first ones i saw was so we're people now we're people watching but we're trying to figure out, like, if it's a couple, like, who's in charge? Who wears the pants? You know, like, who's the breadwinner? Who's in the conversation? This and that. You're trying to figure out the dynamics of things now. And I was watching this couple eat. And it was funny, just a middle-aged couple, man and a woman across from each other like this, uh, eating their food and blah, 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 and watching other things. Woman takes a phone call. Her phone rings. She answers it, right, and talking, blah, blah, blah. It went from, like, a happy, facing each other conversation by the end of it, I watched her husband uh, like turn all the way. Remember we talked about their feet are typically pointing to where their attention's at. He went from facing her at, by the end of the time when we were leaving, he was all the way to the end of his booth. Both his feet were sitting off facing the bench. So she's still facing this way. Now he has turned away from her to the bench and like just sitting there patiently waiting for her to finish her conversation. And again, who cares? But you watch that dynamic now and you know from body language, you know exactly what happened. And using artifacts and evidence, I can articulate what I just watched. Right? Yeah. So it takes people watching to another level. And then you just start we, – we talk about – I don't know how you'd mass produce something, Paul, if that's kind of what you're asking. But that's that's by doing it. I say this all the time on my show. This is that. I said it today. I went live for a minute. You know, like I, I always say you, it's, it takes practice. All of this shit takes practice. Resiliency takes practice. Big chest takes 
practice with the muscles. Losing weight takes practice by eating better. Getting better at situational awareness takes practice by doing the things. Find somebody that's fucking into it and talk about it. Yeah. Try to get the people around you interested. Talk with my kids. Like I already got it. Like, and you make make this stuff fun with them. Um, you know, my boys know already because you know all of us. Like we're not not ever going to sit with our back to a door, right? Like it's so macho sounding, <laughs> but it's true. It's true type of thing, right? Right. Or or if there's multiple, then you look for where you can I see what can I see the reflections in this and that. What's my best? If you can't get the ideal spot, then you look for making the mess the best of it. But I've already got my boys. Watching it, you know, while we're sitting down and tell them, like, all right, dudes, I got that door. Y'all got to watch the one behind me and just getting them used to that thing. And then you ask them like, blah, blah, blah. And, and I can watch their eyes because you can see, you know, who's looking up this and that. And so I can now kind of watch them doing it and I'll ask them questions about who's coming in or what do we think about that? Blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a great example in a, in a show called Psych. You guys ever watch that show Psych? No. It's pretty good. It's entertaining and you can learn stuff from that. There's another way you can practice by watch the shit, man. I talk about lie to me all the time, right? You guys have yeah. talked about lie to me last time. Did you guys watch any of that show yet? Not yet. I have not, no. I don't watch a lot of TV, man. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I get it, dude. Um, but in psych, so it's uh, it's entertaining, man, because um, this kid is like – I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. He's extremely observant. He's like a savant with observation. And he keeps – and he's a goofball kid mid-20s. He's an, he plays an idiot really well, right? And he tries to tell the cops. He sees something like two seconds and he's like, oh my gosh, it was her that stole the blah, 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 blah. It's Colonel Plum in the library with the candlestick. And he tries to tell the police these things and they don't take him serious. So he pretends to be a psychic with all of these things and goes real extravagant and like puts on a show to get the police to believe him. So then he gets like contracted by the police pretending to be a psychic, but it's cool because it shows you the things that he's seeing, right? He walks into the room and he's like, oh, it makes this big, big thing of it, but he's just checking out the room like we would too. You know what I mean? And then huh. it's cool because it shows you the things that he's zeroing in on. I see that right there. This moved. I see that that cloth on the, on the dealie is more down here and it was like that. I see that there's two cans of off bug spray over there. So like there's one that's regular and there's one child. That tells me most likely a child's been in here, right? But the dude said it was a couple with no kids. Could be something. And it's showing you those things, and then it's more things that you can think about. Like who would have fucking – I'm looking at two cans of off right now, and I just kind of made that up. But again, that shit that's right in front of us, but yeah. who would ever think of it yeah. until you think of it? Now that's so, psych, right? Yeah. Psych. I'm going to have to watch that uh, because – yeah, I don't watch a lot of TV because it's half the time you, you know you're watching military movies and you lose your lunch mm -hmm. because you yeah, know, I can't believe how they can dick that stuff up. But all right, yeah. Hollywood psych, I watch it. So that's an entertaining one. You're gonna pick up a lot of things from that just because of what he's observing, right? Um, so it's much more entertainment value um, than than a lot. Like lie to me is great too, but that's like the kind of drama, and that's more legit shit that he's using because he's a deception expert. Um, and it's shown you what he's doing there. Like we talked about micro expressions last time, the interrogation scene and things like that. Yeah. But what's, what's great about those is they're telling you what they're doing. So then it's like, Oh shit, dude, that's smart, man. I never would have thought of that. And now, so we've gotten that little bit of entertainment time so we can watch something that's entertainment, but I'm also taking things away from it. You know? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Great suggestions. Well, it's, it's hard to trust Hollywood nowadays. So, yeah, I don't trust shit, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't trust nothing, bro. Um, 
So what in there, like I, I always, whenever I'm teaching a class, um, I always like to, to put up front, like, Hey, if you think any of this stuff sounds like bullshit or you don't believe it or you don't buy it or something sounds janky or bunk or whack, bring it up, mention it to me, ask like, cause I'm not ever going to, I don't know, man, like all this stuff makes sense to me. Um, I, I feel I do a pretty good job of conveying things. Um, but I always want it like we will talk, like bring it up, ask me why, you know what I mean? The why's behind yeah. things. And, and if you don't understand something, then please let me know because I'll find another way. I think we talked about this last time about how like the challenge of a teacher or a leader or something like that is sometimes you got those people that are, that are trying. It's like, I'm listening to you, man. I'm just not getting it. Okay, cool. Got it. I will work with you all day long, but it's those people that aren't listening that, that didn't do the simple thing that I, I said first off, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, do me a favor, please read what's on your sheet, fill that out really quick. Cause that's going to answer a lot of your questions. And then we're going to go ahead. And then we go on and then they raise their hand and ask them a question. They're like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. Like, did you read the form? Well, no, read that for, that's a simple, simple example. You know what I mean? I never um, understood kind of the value of doing that until my buddy one time, this is back at Riley and I'm still best friends with this guy. Um, I'm not a computer guy, as you can tell. Uh, and we were having to do some online training, dude, Martin can tell you all about the online training, man. Um, and I had to get help with that, but we had to get like all of our soldiers through all of these certifications in the computer lab. Right. And he's having to help everyone. And everybody's like, sorry, pool. I need help. Sorry, pool. And I remember him like just venting to me for a minute and he'd be like, if these motherfuckers would read what's right in front of them. It's telling them what to do, but they're not taking the two seconds to read what's right in front of them on the computer. They're calling me over to ask instead, right? And then he'll go over there and he's like, read that screen because it's telling you what to do right there. And that sunk in to me a lot. You know what I mean? Then, and because I don't, I try to do my best to minimize how often I look dumb because I'm really good at making myself look dumb. So if I can minimize that a little bit, I'm going to. So I want as much. Again, I'm going to listen to everything first so I get as much information as possible. I'm going to read and look at every, as much as I can now before I open my mouth to ask a question. I'm going to see if I can answer it myself with the stuff provided. You know what I mean? Perfect. I think we're on, a, we're on an hour. That's a lot of good so I, think we're, I think we're good to wrap. I think one of the biggest things I took away from this podcast and thank you is just being more consciously aware of those, those emotions and those feelings and those readings that you have in situations that you know, you know, they're there, you feel them. Um, but just being more aware of them. And I think that's something everybody can take away from this. Yeah. Um, and last thing that's great. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because from MRT that's, um, in the army, it's called the master resiliency training course. I did that, and then that's also quarterly training that we have to do with like EO, Sharp, MRT, but it's self-aware to self-regulate. We talk about that a lot of times, and that's kind of like when I mentioned the five love languages. I try to incorporate everything because the more that I can offer, when I run into that person that's just not getting it, then it's like, okay, well, let's try this. Let's try that, and then just it's just more adds makes it better, but being aware, you have to be aware, and then so now that we've heard this stuff, if you listen to the podcast, if you get a feeling you think you saw something, then it's like, then think about it for a minute. Just reflect on it for a second. Okay. That's interesting. I noticed that. I remember him talking about that and I noticed it run with that train of thought and explore it. 
you know, so it's just, it, you got to start doing it, practice, whatever. Don't be afraid to be wrong. Um, that's why we do with most likely and most dangerous. There's no right or wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in the whole left of bang, I'm sorry. I know that you're trying to wrap up, uh, but just to like come full circle, the left of bang, we would use that in class a lot because a lot of the stuff we do in the military is reactive drills. This is what we're going to do. If something happens, we're going to react to contact, react to ambush, react to IED. If you can see what's coming, right? You can be left of that bang before it happens. Like those guys, oh my God, some, the, the terrible war movies, like you're saying, it's like, oh, the staff sergeant kept us out of so many IEDs. He sniffs out IEDs because he's seeing the shit. He's seen the indicators. He's seen the anomalies. He's paying attention. You know what I mean? So if, if, if anything, yeah. it's a, a literal or metaphorical bang. If you can figure that shit out before it happens, then we're proactive instead of reactive. Perfect.